if you've been with us or you're just coming the first time, uh, to catch you up, we've been in a series in the Gospel of Matthew. Everyone say Matthew. Gospel of Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament. As we've been reading through the Gospel of Matthew, we've been kind of going after two central questions that we see in the Gospel. Everyone say two questions. Two questions. Number one is the question of who is the kingdom of heaven for? Look at your neighbor and say who. Look at your other neighbor and say who. All right, who is the kingdom of heaven for? And what we see is as Jesus goes into one of the most famous sermons ever that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to say Sermon on the Mount. Shh, listen, listen. I said 30 minutes, so I've got to lock in with me. I hold 35 though, so go 35. Uh, for, so we see in, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus sa- says these things called the Beatitudes, right? And he, and he starts talking about who are the people as kingdom is for. Blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn and the merciful and the peacemakers, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And Jesus saying, if you are someone who acknowledges that you have a need for God, that's who the kingdom of heaven is for. I'm going to say kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is talking about who the kingdom of heaven is for. And, and the other question I hand is, how do I enter the kingdom of heaven? Look at your neighbor and say, How? How do I enter the kingdom of heaven? How do I receive or inherit eternal life? And and we see that that this is a a huge theme throughout Matthew. So as we read today's passage, I want you to keep those two questions in mind. As we read the passage, as we've done the last few weeks, I'd love for you guys to go ahead and stand on up. Stand on up. Jacob, can we bring the house lights down a little bit? As we read the words of Jesus out of Matthew 19, I want you... Just to stand and really just, just think about the honor it is that we get to hear the very words of Jesus. This is not casual. This is not just super light. This is a miracle. This is something amazing. So go ahead and look up at the screen as I read this story in Matthew 19. It says, And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. That's a good one for all of us in this room. Honor your father and mother and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven of God. Everyone say kingdom of God. Verse 25, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Go and remain standing, bow your heads and let's pray together. Father God, I thank you the great gift that you have given us. 
the gift who we know as Jesus, the gift who is far better than anything or anyone else. And Lord, in, in this room, as my brothers and sisters, as we come to you, as we read your word, Lord, we're not here just to, just to get through another message or just to talk about a story. Lord, we're here to ask you to speak to us, to convict us, to transform us, to help us to know you more, Jesus. Lord, I was even so moved as, as we sang during worship the simple words of, I love you, I love you, I love you. And God, when I think about my, my brothers and sisters in this room and myself, Lord, I think about when we, when we stand before you face to face. That moment when, we, when our lives end here on earth and we are before you. Lord, we'll get to look into your eyes. And despite our sins, despite our shortcomings, because of your blood, we're able to know you and we're able to say, Jesus, I love you. Lord, even in our lives today, we're able to look back at what you've done on the cross and say, Jesus, I love you. We're able to see your faithfulness in our life that has been there time and time and time again. We're able to say, Jesus, I love you. So God, we don't want to waste our time. We don't want to just... Just get through another church service, another youth service, Lord, we want to know you more and love you more. If you can agree with that, would you say amen. Amen, amen. Go ahead, go ahead and you may be seated. Go ahead and sit down. Let me ask you this question. Have, have any of you ever received a really, a really amazing gift that came with some certain, uh, let's see, well, you, you got a really great gift that came with certain conditions. Right, like you, you were given something really, really amazing, but in order to, to keep or to have the gift, there were certain conditions that you had to follow. Can you think about something in, in your life like that? Like where you were given something really, really great, and maybe it was like your parents, your grandparents, were like, yeah, like, we're going to give you this gift, but if you don't follow these conditions, then you can't have this gift anymore. You guys ever received one of those? Yes, yes, okay, a few of you, okay. Like when I, when I think about this in my life, I think about when I was about 16, 17 years old while I was in high school. Okay, while I was in high school, and I was really, I was like a lot later to getting my driver's license than a lot of, a lot of my friends. How many of you guys are 14 in this room? That's crazy. Y'all can like get your permit in like a year. That's kind of terrifying. I might, I might stay off the road for some of you. Maybe some of you I trust. Some of you I don't, though. But, like, like I remember, like, so I got my license kind of, kind of late. So all my friends would, like, get to, like, drive themselves to school. Like, they had their own cars, all that good stuff. And so when I finally got my license, I was like, this is amazing. But I don't, I don't have a car. So, like, I have this, like, nice little, like, card. But what am I going to do? Like, I can't go anywhere with this card, right? But well, my dad was gracious enough that at, that at that point in time, he was working from home a lot. And so what he told me is like, hey, son, my dad always calls me son. It, it makes me feel like I'm Simba and like he's Mufasa. You know, it's a super like, my son. It's just epic. But he's like, son, I'm going to let you take, take the pilot. We had, we had a, nice, a nice Honda Pilot, my favorite car ever. I'm, I'm going to let you take the pilot and you, and you get to drive it. But I have a few conditions. Everyone say Conditions. Like, like he, was, he was giving me this incredible gift. And let me tell you, like, I was so stoked to get to have a car that I got to drive. Like, like my car, my, my car's name is Yolanda. Everyone say Yolanda. Yolanda. Yo, anyone know someone named Yolanda in your life? 
Yeah, like probably like two of you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, my gra- I wanted a Hispanic woman's name. I was just like, that just felt right, like for, for my first car. And so I went with Yolanda because that's my grandma's name. She's an amazing woman, super quiet. She loves Jesus when she prays. It just melts me. She's amazing. And she makes the best chorizo tacos ever. But so, so I named it after my grandma. I named it Yolanda. Everyone say Yolanda. You got to say it with an accent. Say Yolanda. There you go, there you go. You guys still sound eh, but it was better. Okay, so I, I named it Yolanda. And so when I had this, when I had this car, it was like the best gift ever. Right? Like, like I got to drive myself to school. I felt cool like driving up in my whip, like my parking spot at the school was like all the way, all the way up, up at the top of the hill. Anyone here go to CSCS? A few of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I saw you the other day. I recognize you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, I was like very like up like the top of the, like the hill. And so it was like a mile walk to get down to school. But it was great. But I was so stoked to have this car. It was like the best gift ever. I'm going to say gift. But because I was given this amazing gift where I got to like drive my friend. Yolanda had like the extra like third row. So like eight of us could fit in the car. So like, uh, like automatically like I had the car. Like if I went to Lacacita to get some breakfast tacos. My like inner like really whitewashed Hispanic is really showing right now. I am part Hispanic. I just, I don't speak any Spanish. It's embarrassing. But like, you know, if we wanted to go like get food or hang out. Like I had Yolanda to take my friends in. But because it was such a great gift, the certain conditions that came with it. Were, were conditions that I was willing to follow because the gift meant so much. It had such great value. I wouldn't say value. Right? Like my dad was like, hey, I don't want your trash in the car. Like if, if I'm going to be taking Yolanda for a drive, like if I'm going to be like taking the Honda Pilot, I don't want your trash all up in the car. And so like for me, it was like not only did I take care of my trash, like if anyone left trash in my car, I'd be like, bruh, get your trash out of my car. Like, like because it was, like it was so important to me. I was like, I want to be able to keep driving this car. So any condition was worth it. Everyone say worth it. Any condition was worth it for me to be able to have this great gift, which came with conditions. Because ultimately, any price, any condition was worth having this great gift. Everyone say gift. In a very, very similar way, what we see happening in this passage is that Jesus is, is calling this young man to follow him. He's calling this young man to follow him. And then when Jesus calls us to follow him, he comes with a great gift. Everyone say gift. He comes with an amazing, amazing gift. I, I had a professor in college say it like this, that when Jesus comes and calls you to follow him, he comes with two things, one in each hand. And in one hand, he has a gift to offer you. And this, this gift is, is so amazing. It's far, it, it can't even be compared to this gift is himself. The gift is, is relationship with the creator, with the father who made you. With the father that, that thought of you before anything was even created. Relationship with him, eternal life with him. This is the gift that he has to offer. And when he says, hey, come, come and follow me. The gift is eternal life with him. But he doesn't just come with a gift in one hand. In the other hand, he has a cross. Everyone say cross. He comes with a gift. A gift that cannot be compared with, but also he comes with a cross. Right? We read the words of Jesus in, in the gospel. He says, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves. Take up their cross and what? Follow me. They must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. And what we see happening in this passage is Jesus calling this young man to follow him. Because he desires relationship with him. He desires him to know him. But he also comes with 
across. I want to kind of talk about a few of the things that we see happening in this passage. passage. Do a quick recap. And I just want to suggest to you guys a few simple points for tonight. Start out, when we, when we look at this passage in Matthew 19, we have a young man who wants to know what good deed he must do. Everyone say do. And what good deed must he do to get eternal life? He's asking Jesus, hey, what is, what is the, the, the thing, the action that I need to do so that I can get eternal life? Like we talked about this in, in the very beginning of the series. This gospel is written primarily to, to an Israelite or a Hebrew audience. Everyone say Hebrew. It's the people that grew up reading the law and hearing about all these stories that we have in the Old Testament. So he was familiar with, with keeping the law in order to have covenant relationship with God. So he comes to Jesus, what good thing must I do? Everyone say do. What good thing must I do to get to have eternal life? And because he's focused on, on doing the law and doing as a means of earning eternal life, Jesus states that if he follows the commandments, he would have life. And the man's response is, he says, well, which ones? Which commandments, right, which is a fair question. If you've ever read, like, the first five books of the Bible, you know, like, in the Torah, the Pentateuch, there's, like, a billion commandments, right? It's like, don't boil a baby goat's mother's milk and, like, do not take the name of the Lord God in vain and, like, all these other things, right? It's like, if you, like, have an injury and you're bleeding, like, go outside the camp because, like, people don't want your nasty diseases, you know? It's like, God thought of, like, everything. It's great. But, like, there's a tons and tons of laws in the first five books of the Bible. And so he says, which ones? And so Jesus says... Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't, don't take a false oath. And then eventually he says, love your neighbor as yourself. What Jesus calls the golden rule. Everyone say golden rule. And it kind of summarizes all those laws. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then the man's response is, I've, I've been doing all those things. I've, I've, I've been following all of those things I have kept. Now, this is a bit of speculation. When I, when I read the young man's response, to me, what it indicates to me is a little bit of pride. Everyone say pride. How many of y'all know pride goes before the fall? That's what, that's what, he, that's what Proverbs says. But like, like you, you look at this man's response, he's like, all of those commandments I have kept. And so Jesus, he, he doesn't address maybe like the pride that it sounds like he has. But, but Jesus says, okay, kept all these things and there's one thing that you lack. This is what, this is what Jesus says, let me find I'm on the wrong page. Jesus says, if you would be perfect, everyone say perfect. If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. Now, now this word perfect in the Greek is the Greek word teleos. Everyone say teleos. Everyone say teleos. You guys sound like Greek scholars. Amazing. Okay. This word, this word teleos is, is what we often translate as perfect in the New Testament. But what it really means is to be complete or to, to fulfill something. So Jesus is saying, if you, would, if you would be complete, if you would be a person who fulfills what I'm calling you to do, to be someone that comes and follows me, there's one thing you lack. Go and, and sell everything you have. And with that money that you get, Give it all to the poor, and then come follow me. And what we see at the end of this passage, one of the most heartbreaking things in the Gospels, it says, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful. Everyone say sorrowful. He went away sorrowful, for he had great 
possessions. In other words, this man had Monet. Everyone look at your neighbor and say Monet. This, this guy, he goes away sorrowful. The very gift that he is seeking of eternal life, which is found in Jesus himself. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way into eternity with God the Father is through Jesus. And it's so heartbreaking. He goes away sorrowful. He, he goes away from the one that could actually give him the gift that he wants. And he goes away sorrowful because he was rich. Now what does what money represent to, to this man or maybe you and I in this room? Some of y'all might be like, bro, I don't got any money. That's fair. That's fair. But some of y'all, maybe you do. But what, is, what does money represent to this man and, and to our culture? How about the first thing is like nice things. Any of y'all like having some bougie things? Like, like you're bougie about like your sneakers, you're bougie about like what kind of food you eat, like the, the drinks you drink. Anyone? Anyone? You can be honest. You can be honest. Like I'm, I'm a huge sneakerhead. Like I own like three t-shirts. You guys probably know. Is my man Paul in here? Paul's in here. A few months ago, Paul walks in and he's like, I'm just like, what's up Paul? How you doing? He says, you wore that last week and just walked in. I was like, you got me there. You got me there. It's like, but like I do love me some nice sneakers. Any sneakerheads in here? That's guy I see you, Levi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I see you. Okay. Like. But like what money represents is the ability to have some nice things, right? And, and what we even look to with celebrities in our culture, what we celebrate is the person who's got the boat and the person who's got the private jet and the person who's got all the clothes and all the money and all the nicest things and, and they can go buy a nice house and buy a nice, money can represent nice things. It can represent comfort. We can think it represents the good life. Maybe for some people money represents Status. Everyone say status. People who, their identity, what they're, what they're kind of like being known as is the person who's got money. They got all the things. They got all the, all the possessions that, that guarantee you a, a happy, blessed life. Maybe for some people, if they would be honest, it's a feeling of control. If, if I have money, that means if anything bad happens in my life, like I got tons of money, like I can go buy another house if I don't like my house anymore. If I'm discontent, if I'm, if I'm not happy anymore, I can go buy this thing, this food, this drink, this whatever, and then I will be, I'll be okay. It's a sense of control. Everyone say control. And ultimately, what we see in this passage is that the young man could not follow Jesus because wealth was far more important to him than Jesus. Right. The young man is not able to come and follow Jesus because his money, his possessions are, for, are far more valuable to him than the person of Jesus. What we see is that he wanted the gift, not the gift giver. Right? He, he, wanted, he wanted eternal life, but he didn't want eternal life with Jesus, of Jesus being his Lord, Jesus being his Savior. He, he wanted eternal life, but the gift that Jesus offers comes with a condition. Everyone say a condition. The gift that Jesus offers us. In one hand he comes with a gift, in the other hand he comes with a cross. And ultimately for this rich young man, money was the Lord of his life. Now let me ask you this question. You might be sitting in this room and it's like, money ain't the Lord of my life because I don't got it. Right? Like, I don't got it so it can't really be my Lord. But let me ask you this question. What or who is the Lord of your life? What thing or what person is the Lord of your life. What, what or who is the most important 
person or thing to you. The priority of your life. The thing that like, you think about all the time. Where like all, all of your desires are attached to that thing, that person. Where like, like all, what you want your life to be about what you find like status and what you find your identity and what you find happiness in. What is the Lord of your life? Is it a sport? Is it popularity? Is it a boyfriend? Is it a girlfriend? What is it for you? I know for me growing up, I've, I've shared this many times, but like, like growing up, the, the Lord of my life, the thing that like controlled what I thought about, my emotions, like the thing that I gave all of my time to was basketball. It was, it, it was, it was basketball. For probably a lot of you that play sports, like, you know, like to, to be good at sports, like you got to like practice all the time, work out all the time, like club sports, like every, every single day, school season, like it's, it's a ton. And for me, because, because basketball is such a high priority in my life, I was willing to pay any cost in order to be a great basketball player. And you know why? When I walked off the court after I had a really good game, it felt really good to be recognized. It felt really good to have the approval of man, right? It felt good when, when a bunch of people want to be friends with you and the people at your school are like, 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 they're like bro, like, you're the man. Because like... You, you dropped like 25 points. Like, like it's so easy. Like for the things that we do, like th those things become the Lord of our life. And, and friends, the reality is, is that anything in our lives, even good gifts that God has given us. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Every single thing in our life can become an idol. Every, every single thing. If we do not hold it open-handed and surrender to Jesus can become an idol. Maybe a good way to know what or who is the Lord of your life is picturing if Jesus were to ask you to lay your sport down. If Jesus were to ask you to step back from a group of friends that you kind of find your belonging in. If Jesus were to ask you to step back from a relationship that isn't drawing you closer to Jesus. Would you be able to do that? Would you be able to say, Lord Jesus, because you're the Lord of my life, you are far better than anything or anyone else. What is the Lord of your life? Because all of a sudden what we see is that whatever is kind of the Lord of your life, the thing that takes your priority, the thing that takes your thoughts, your emotions, your time, is ultimately what you give your heart to. Everyone say your heart. Everyone say my heart. What takes our time, the thing that is Lord of our life, ultimately has our hearts. And ultimately what we see in the gospel is that Jesus' invitation to us is to come and to follow him. And when he, when he asks us to come and follow him, what he asks for is all of our hearts. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount. For where your treasure is, there your heart. Everyone say your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, it looks different for every person, what it looks like to give Jesus their heart. But the bottom line is, is that Jesus is asking for whatever is most precious to you. See, Jesus doesn't simply want good deeds. We see with the rich young man that he, he says, what good deed must I do to get eternal life? He's focused on good deeds. What are, what are the laws I have to keep? What do I have to do just to kind of slide into heaven? I, I want to keep living my life. I want to have my money. I want to have my possessions. I don't want anything to change. So, so what, what is like the thing I have to do 
to get eternal life. And Jesus' response is, look, I, I don't really, I don't need your good deeds. I don't need you to perform for me. I don't need you just to, to fulfill all of these laws. But the reason why Jesus looks at this, at this rich young man and says, if you would be perfect, if you would be complete, the Gospel of Luke says, one thing you lack. Go and sell everything. And give that money to the poor. And then come follow me. At the end of the day, Jesus wants our hearts. Everyone say my heart. And this, is, this is so simple, right? Like we hear about this in church from such a young age, like that Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. Like, like we hear that, that this becomes common language. Like, yeah, yeah, like Jesus like died for me because he wants like relationship with me. When he, when, he calls, when he calls us to follow him, like what he's really saying is, look, I want you to be able to know my father. I want you to, to know me and for you to become more like me. But ultimately we are unable to do that unless we are willing and able to give our hearts to Jesus. So question before all of us tonight is this. I want you to think about this. Does the reward of treasuring Jesus far outweigh every bit of feeling of pleasure, happiness, and control that you can get in something or someone else? Does the treasure of Jesus, does that far outweigh, is that far better than anything or anyone else to you? Jayla, you can go ahead and come on up for worship. Jacob, you can bring the lights down. As we get ready to close tonight, I want to say it's kind of two summary points of what, what I'm going after and then make one more point and then we'll go ahead and go into a short time of worship. Ultimately, what we see in this passage and all throughout the Gospel of Matthew is that Jesus wants you to follow him. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Don't get distracted right now. Jesus wants you to follow him. And that invitation, it, it's so simple, but that Jesus comes and over and over throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus gives invitations to people. To come and to follow him. Like what, do we, what do we see in Matthew 11? We talked about this last week. Jesus says, come to me. All who are weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. What does Jesus desire? He wants you to follow him. Jesus wants you to follow him because he wants relationship with you. And friends, it is so simple. If we kind of try to look past that, if we try to kind of get over that, the rest of our, the rest of our faith kind of crumbles. If it is not a miracle to us, everyone look at me, everyone look at me. If it is not a miracle to you and to I that we have a Savior, who gave his life on a cross so that you could know him, so you could have relationships, you could have eternal life with him. If that is just kind of like a, yeah, I got that, Pastor Mateo, like move on to like bigger things. Like check, like yeah, 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 like the gospel, like it's cool. But like, tell me more about what I need to do for Christ right now. No, if we try to like graduate 
from that, we've missed the entire point. Are you tracking with me? Jesus wants you to follow him. Why? Because he knows that you and I are broken. He knows that you and I, without him, we're empty. We are those who are heavy burdened, who are tired, who are in deep need of salvation, of rest, of peace. Which we cannot have apart from Jesus. So number one, Jesus wants you. Everyone say me. Jesus wants you to follow him. Number two is that Jesus calls you to give him your heart. Jesus calls you to give him your heart. Jesus isn't telling you, you better, you better be righteous and never mess up. You better follow all these rules and laws and then maybe I'll consider letting you come into my kingdom. No, what is, what is the whole point of, of what Jesus goes after as he's preaching about his kingdom on earth? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who understand that apart from God, they are nothing. Those who understand that their best efforts, the best of their ways, so shallow. And ultimately, Jesus' invitation to you tonight is, hey, I want you to come and follow me. But for you to really be able to follow me and not just be kind of one foot in and one foot out, like we often try to do. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, go and sell whatever you hold most valuable. And then come follow me. The rich young man ultimately was not able to follow Jesus. Not because he wasn't killing it at following the law. He was religious, he knew all the right things to say, he did all the right church stuff. But he had something he was holding on to, where we're following the law was fair game and doing all these things, like, yeah, I'll do that, but I'm not willing to give this away. And friends, if that's you tonight, hear Jesus' invitation that he wants you to give him your heart, that you can truly know him. So he can truly be your Lord, so he can truly be your Savior. And the third thing tonight I want you guys to know is that God makes it possible for you to surrender to Jesus as your Lord. That God makes it possible for you to surrender to Jesus as your Lord. Look at the last few verses in this passage real quick. It says, and Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man. This is impossible. But with God, all things. Everyone say all things. But with God, all things are possible. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is so gracious, so patient. But even when you and I fall short, that even when, when you and I have something or someone in our life that, that we have a hard time surrendering to him. 
He is gracious. And he helps us to be able to surrender to him. I want to tell you guys a story, but real quick, what I want you guys to do is, why don't you just kind of spread out around the room. And just to sit down, get in a space where you're not going to be distracted. Try not to talk to anyone right now. Go and take a seat right where you're at. If you know you'll be distracted by the people that you're sitting next to or around, get some more space. Just for a few minutes. As I thought about this passage and as I thought about Jesus' invitation for us to follow him. As he comes with the greatest gift ever, which is himself. Now also as he comes with a cross, calling us to come, to give him and surrender to him whatever is most precious. I thought of, thought of this story. Some of you may know it because it's a familiar song, but. But 150 years ago, there's a great revival that happened in the country of Wales. It's a great, great revival. People came in and they prayed for, for days and eventually weeks, eventually months, eventually years on end. The prayer never stopped in this chapel. And out of this revival that happened, tons and tons of missionaries were sent all over the world. And one specific missionary ended up in the country of India. He starts evangelizing to these people, which was illegal. It wasn't, it wasn't legal to be a Christian in the nation of India. And he goes and, and he preaches to this one man and his family. His, this man's name is Naksang. Naksang. And in this story, after the missionary goes and, and preaches to these people, Naksang and his whole family, they give themselves over to Jesus. And they, they, they start telling people about Jesus. They start telling their village about this Savior who, who gave himself on a cross. Is he not amazing? Is this not so much better than any other religion? It's a God who cared about us so much that he gave his life. Eventually the tribe leader, the chief, he, he hears about this. He hears that Naksang is, is the one preaching the gospel and telling people about Jesus. And so... He rallies the whole, the whole village together. And he orders his, his men to, to go and to get Naksang and his family. And he tells Naksang, either you will renounce Jesus right now or I'm going to kill you. Either you renounce Jesus, you say that all this is fake, that I don't actually believe that he is my Savior, that he is my Lord. Renounce her. I will put you to death. And Naksang's response is, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I will not turn back. And, and just like that, the chief leader in, in anger, he tells his men to, draw their bow and arrows and to shoot Naksang's two children right in front of him. They shoot the arrow. His children die instantly. He says again, okay, fine. 
I'm going to give you another chance. If you renounce, you and your wife will live. Just renounce this and say that this isn't true. Knock saying says, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. Boom. They kill his wife. Right in front of him. Can you imagine? Being the husband, being the father. You're looking at your wife and your two children. Who are dead next to you because of you saying no. I can't renounce this. Jesus is my Lord. And the chief, one more time. If you renounce, I'll let you live. If you renounce this, I, I will let you go. He says, the cross before me, the world behind, no turning back. And Oksang was killed that day. What happened in that village is that the chief leader instantly drops to his knees and he surrenders his life to Jesus as Lord. Because what amazed him is that, that there is a king, there's a savior that is so good, that is so much better than anything or anyone else that there was a man willing to be there on his knees with his family dead next to him and say, Jesus is better. Because Jesus is better, I can't go back, I can't renounce. Not, nothing else compares to the gift of knowing Jesus. What I want you to do as we worship together is, is for you to, to come to the Lord and ask, Lord, what is, what is that thing or the person, the thing that I, I am holding on to that I don't want to surrender to you, that has become my Lord. And as you bring that before Jesus, what is, what is Jesus saying in this passage that to be saved is impossible for man, but with God all things are possible. And as you bring that thing to Jesus, what you can do is you can say, Lord, God, would you help me to be able to follow you? Help me to be able to surrender this to you. This is hard and this is difficult. And I really care about this thing or this person. But Lord, help me to know that you are better, that you are my Lord, that you are worthy. And as you pray and you bring that to the Lord, I want you to be able to bring that to the Lord and then sing this song in response and worship together. So go and bow your heads right now. Lord Jesus, we need you. Without you, we are nothing. And ultimately, Lord, it is, it is impossible for us to follow you by our own strength. But this evening we come to you and we, Lord, we ask for your help. We ask that you would search us and know us and Whatever, whatever the thing is of the person, the thing that is so difficult for us to surrender to you. Lord, would you give us the strength, the ability to be able to have faith in you. And would you help us to know that you are better. In Jesus' name. Continue to pray right where you're at. And we're going to sing this song of worship together. Go ahead, Jacob.